Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Hello, and you're very welcome to this episode of the Letter from Ireland podcast, called An Irish Rebel Easter. Now, here in Ireland, and I guess around the world, of course, we're coming up to Easter, in this case 2022, and in lots of ways it symbolises freedom for a lot of people because certainly here in Ireland, this is the first Easter, I think, in about two years. With the coronavirus, we've had a chance to really get out and about, um, go around this island of ours, because this time last year, and in fact the year before, we were kind of limited in everything we did for good reason, but this year is going to be different. It's a real taste of freedom. And speaking of freedom, I think for the majority of people on this island, there's something about Easter very much resonates with the idea of freedom, in fact. So, as I said, we call this an Irish rebel Easter. And what we're going to do over the course of the next half hour or so is tell a couple of stories and play some music that very much have to do with the various uprisings, rebellions in Ireland over, I guess, uh, since, in our case, since about 1798. So we're going to start off by uh, with a piece of music, first of all, which I think will set the scene. It's called Boule Vogue, and it's very much associated with the 1798 Rising, which more or less emanated from County Wexford back in the day. We're then going to actually have a story all about the Easter Rising. Now, that was 1916, and I think that very much set the scene for the War of Independence uh, on this island, which occurred in 1921 or thereabouts, a number of years later. And, of course, the partition of Ireland then in 1922 is division into the Irish Free State and Northern Ireland, which we now have the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland sharing this island uh, at this minute. So we're going to then finish, uh, we're going to follow that up with a piece of music called The Foggy Jew, which is very much focused on the Easter 1916 Rising. And let's see what we'll do then. Yes, we're going to visit the home of a gentleman called Michael Collins, my own namesake, or I'm his namesake, from West Cork, who, of course, became one of Ireland's great leaders and very much associated with that War of Independence in 1921. And finally, we're going to finish with a piece of music called Kevin Barry, which, again, goes back to that time of rebellion in the 1916-1922 period, when there were just so many stories of loss and, you know, there's an awful lot of loss had to be borne by mothers, fathers, families across Ireland. So I think you'll enjoy this particular song, Kevin Barry, which is actually a, a memory of just how personal those losses were to so many different people. So let's start off with that piece of music. And here we go with Boula Vogue. <laughs> At Boulevard, as the sun was setting o'er the bright meadows of Shelmalir, a rebel hand set the heather blazing and brought the neighbors from far and near. Then Father Murphy. From all Kilcarmick spurred up the rocks with a warning cry. 
Arm, arm, he cried, for I've come to lead you for Ireland's freedom. We'll fight or die. He led us on against the coming soldiers, the cowardly yeomen we put to flight. Twas at the Hara. The boys of Wexford showed Bookie's regiment how men could fight. Look out for hirelings, King George of England. Search every kingdom that breeds a slave. For Father Murphy from the county Wexford sweeps o'er the land. Like a mighty wave At Vinegar Hill Or the pleasant Slaney Our heroes vainly Stood back to back And the yaws at Tulla Took Father Murphy And burned his body Upon a rack God grant you glory, brave Father Murphy, and open heaven to all your men. The cause that called you may call tomorrow in another fight for the green again. As we come up to Easter, many people across Ireland will be aware of the Easter Rising of 1916, which was the first substantial Irish revolt against British rule since 1798. By 1916, Britain was at war with Germany and over 150,000 Irish soldiers from across the island of Ireland were fighting for Britain on the battlefields of Europe. Also by that time in 1916, Ireland was becoming commercially and culturally subsumed into the British Empire. While many in Ireland were enjoying this sense of inclusion and prosperity, a small few were concerned that the last traces of Irish custom, language and culture were in danger of being assimilated to become a smaller part of a greater Britain. The poet William Butler Yeats observed this in his poem, September 1913. What need you being come to sense but fumble in a greasy till and add a halfpence to the pence and prayer to shivering prayer until you have dried the marrow from the bone for men were born to pray and save romantic Ireland's dead and gone it's with O'Leary in the grave. On Easter Monday 1916, a small band of men and women, led by a group of inexperienced poets and intellectuals, decided to rise against the might of the British Empire. They had prepared a proclamation of independence, advocating the creation of an Irish Republic, which they read from the steps of the General Post Office in the city of Dublin. Irish surnames the melting pot, and an Easter rising. A short while back, Marion Weber answered my weekly letter from Ireland with the following. My dad's uncle, Jimmy Pierce, 
had a dad that was quite famous, according to my research. He was James Pierce and was born in London in 1839. He was brought to Dublin in 1860 to do sculpturing. The workshop on Great Brunswick Street became O'Neill and Pierce, where he was an ecclesiastical and architectural sculptor. In 1882, he won first prize at the Dublin Exhibition. He was married twice. He had my granduncle James by his first wife and four children with his second wife, Margaret, and they call their oldest child Patrick. Well, thank you very much for sharing that connection, Marion. You see, the gentleman who read out the Easter proclamation from the steps of the General Post Office in Dublin was the Patrick that Marion mentioned in her letter. And that Patrick later went on by the Irish version of the name, using his Irish version, became Padraig Pierce. One of the things that surprises many people about Ireland is just what a melting pot we are. I smile when I see someone say that their DNA has reported them as 23% Irish. The more I talk with people of Irish ancestry around the world, the more I look at our shared history and values, and the more it becomes apparent that being Irish is more a state of mind. Much more so than where you come from or your religion or your language. That being Irish is really a state of mind and it's a fact that becomes apparent when we take a short look at the men who signed the Irish Proclamation of the Republic over a hundred years ago. In signing that Irish Proclamation of the Republic, they were aware that they were really signing their own death warrants. Seven men, seven names, all martyrs. There were seven signatories on the proclamation. And why don't we have a look at each one in turn? Padraig Pierce is probably the person most associated with the Irish Rising as he read out the first proclamation. Pierce, spelt P-E-A-R-S-E, is an Anglo-Irish surname mainly found around County Dublin. P-I-E-R-C-E, on the other hand, is typically from the Norman MacPierces of Kerry and were a branch of the Fitzmorrises. Podrick Pierce was born in Dublin to an Irish mother and an English father from Birmingham, the James Pierce that Marion Webber mentioned in her letter there earlier. Another signatory to the proclamation was James Connolly. James Connolly was born in Scotland of Irish emigrant parents and his people came from County Monaghan originally. Now the name Connolly is an old Irish Gaelic name found separately in different parts of Ireland including Monaghan, Galway, Fermanagh and Meath. James Connolly kept a Scottish accent all of his life. Thomas Clark was also a signatory on the Proclamation of the Republic. Thomas Clark was born in Hampshire in England to Irish parents. His father, James Clark, was a sergeant in the British Army and the family moved to Dungannon in County Tyrone when Thomas was very young. Clark is an English surname, C-L-A-R-K-E, but in Ireland it is frequently used as a variation on the surname Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y. Next up was Thomas MacDonough. 
Thomas MacDonagh originally came from County Tipperary and the MacDonagh name is another old Gaelic name that's found in many parts of Ireland, including Sligo, Galway and Cork. Another signatory on the proclamation was Sean MacDermott. Sean MacDermott comes from County Leitrim originally and MacDermott is a well-known Connacht surname from around the counties of Roscommon and Galway. Then we have Joseph Plunkett. Joseph Plunkett was born in Dublin City. Plunkett is another old Norman name, settling in County Meath around the 1200s. And finally, we look at Eamon Kant, spelt C-E-A-N-N-T. Eamon Kant was born in County Galway, where his father, an RIC, or Royal Irish Constabulary Officer, was stationed, and they later moved to County Louth. Kant, or as we say in English, K-E-N-T, Kent, was an English name that arrived in Ireland in the 1200s in the County of Meath. Now, maybe you've heard some of these English, Gaelic, Norman, yet all Irish names in your family tree. All of these seven men we mentioned, and many more, were executed for high treason. Podrick Pierce was executed on May 3rd, 1916. However, all these were quickly recognised as martyrs. Their activities and subsequent executions set a course to the Irish War of Independence in 1920s, leading to the eventual establishment of the Irish Republic. Pierce and his brother Willie, who was also executed for his part in the Rising, were survived by their poor mother, Margaret who was Nae Brady, who went on to become a member of Ireland's first parliament. Sometime during 1916, Podrick Pierce wrote the following poem, and you can only guess how accurately he captured the feelings and grief of his mother. His poem was called The Mother by Podrick Pierce. I do not grudge them, Lord, I do not grudge my two strong sons that I have seen go out to break their strength and die. They and a few in bloody protest for a glorious thing. They shall be spoken of among their people, the generations shall remember them and call them blessed. But I will speak their names to my own heart in the long nights, the little names that were familiar once round my dead hearth. Lord, thou art hard on mothers, we suffer in their coming and their going, and though I grudge them not, I weary, weary of the long sorrow. And yet I have my joy, my sons were faithful, and they fought. We also remember those many Irish men and women who once rose up against a mighty empire. Their fight was seemingly hopeless, but isn't that the way of poets and dreamers? Their glorious failure gave us just enough inspiration to eventually create the newly independent Republic of Ireland.
Hasn't that lady got some voice? Sinead O'Connor there, of course. I think you'll probably recognise that voice anywhere. With the Chieftains and a song based around the time of the 1916 Easter Rising called The Foggy Jew. Um, now, that, so I suppose basically now you're starting to get, to get a feel of the theme of today's podcast episode, An Irish Rebel Easter. And we're going to move on now to a very specific story of a particular Irish leader by the name of Michael Collins. So over to Karina now, who's going to bring us inside his house. But just before that, she's going to give you a little bit of history of the tribe or the clan from which he came. Ireland was a land of small tribes and kingdoms for many centuries, and some might even say that this still carries on today in the form of Irish family, parish and community. One of these tribes was called the Efigenti, and they occupied a stretch of land across what is now the west and south of County Limerick. As Irish surnames started to emerge from the 900s, the following surnames came out of this Efigenti tribal group. Names like Bruder, Clerken, Flannery, Heffernan, Keeley, Queeley, Keneally, McEnry, O'Connell, O'D, Quinn, Ring and Tracy. By the 900s, two particular families dominated the Efigenti tribe. They had family names that were later anglicised as Collins and O'Donovan. Over time, the rise in power of the neighbouring tribe Dalgash and the Norman Fitzgeralds caused the leading families of both the Collinses and the O'Donovan sept to head further to the southwest of Ireland to find new lands. By the early 1200s, both families, the Collinses and the O'Donovans, had settled into their new lands near the modern West Cork town of Drimaleague. Over the following centuries, the surnames then spread out from this area across County Cork and beyond. I've written before about the O'Donovan family name, so for now we'll turn our attention to a special Collins family. Michael Collins Are you familiar with the life and history of the great Irish leader Michael Collins? There is very much written on his short and eventful life before he was taken from us at an early age of 32. In fact, the centenary of his assassination during the Irish Civil War occurs later this year. His life was dramatised by Neil Jordan in the 1996 movie Michael Collins and it starred Liam Neeson in their leading role. A popular clip from that movie shows the British administration handing power over to the newly formed Irish Free State, an event that took place a 100 years ago on the 16th of January 1922. Let's now have a look at the place where Michael Collins was born and reared. A look inside the home of Michael Collins. Sometime in the mid-1800s, a Michael John Collins took over the tenancy of a 90-acre farm in the townland of Woodside outside Clonakilty in County Cork. It was a farm that had been in his own family for several generations. He worked hard and he was an intelligent man, indeed a mathematician in his spare time. 
But it was very late in life before he had the luck to meet and marry Marianne O'Brien. She was only 23 years of age to his 60. But the couple went on to have five girls and three boys together. They named their youngest son Michael. A short six years after Michael was born, his father died of old age and Marianne, his wife, was left with eight young children and a large farm to run. However, she seemed to manage well with the help of her family and neighbours and by the time we meet the family in the 1901 census, she's been a widow for five years and her eldest son is working on the farm. She has two daughters working away from home. The youngest child, Michael, has already acquired the nickname The Big Fella on account of taking on and succeeding at jobs that were obviously too big for him. At the time of the next census in 1911, Michael Collins was working in London as a stockbroker and accountant. Five years later, he was a volunteer in the 1916 Rising. The Irish census of 1921 was suspended due to the Irish War of Independence, during which Michael Collins was one of the Republican leaders. However, the life of Michael Collins came to a sudden end when he was assassinated in his native county Cork in August 1922, at the beginning of a short and vicious civil war. His funeral took place in Dublin, with the procession attended by an estimated half a million people. To this day, the stories, history and myths surrounding Michael Collins occupy the imaginations of many Irish people around the world. Every year, for instance, on St. Valentine's Day, a number of admirers still leave bouquets of flowers on his simple grave in Glasnevin Cemetery in Dublin. His grave remains the most visited in that cemetery of over one million souls. In Mount Chai Jail, one Monday morning, high upon the gallows tree, Kevin Barry gave his young life. For the cause of liberty Just a lad of eighteen summers And no one they can deny As he walked to death that morning He proudly held his head on Just before he faced the hangman In his dreary prison cell British soldiers tortured Barry Just because he would not tell All the names of his companions And other things they wished to know Turn informer or we'll kill you Kevin Barry answered no Calmly standing to attention Why is he bade his last farewell 
to his broken-hearted mother, whose sad grief no one can tell, for the cause he proudly cherished, this sad parting had to be. Then to death walked softly smiling, that old island might be free. Another martyr for old Ireland, not a murder for the crown, whose brutal laws may kill the Irish, but can keep their spirits down. Lads like Barry are no cowards, from the foe they will not fly. Lads like Barry will free Ireland For her sake they live and die In Mount Chigel One Monday morning High upon the gallows tree Kevin Summers, yet there's no one can deny. As he marched to death that morning, he proudly held his head up Ah, what a bittersweet Irish rebel song that is there. Kevin Barry, and uh, beautifully, beautifully sung by Damien Dempsey with Seamus Begley. And I think the stripped back way they actually presented that song really brought the intended emotion to the forefront. So well done, lads. That was really, really nice. And that, in fact, brings us to the end of this particular episode, An Irish Rebel Easter. I do hope you enjoyed it uh, from both myself and Karina. And um, if you're looking for show notes, you'll find them at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 715. That's a letterfromireland.com forward slash 715. And you'll find some links there to kind of additional notes, some of the letters we actually read out, and so on. So hope you actually, if you're just about to come up to Easter or you're in the middle of your Easter at the moment, I hope you have a delightful Easter. And again, maybe I didn't mean to bring too much of a sad note to today's episode, but you know, I think there's a certain commemoration kind of that comes to people's minds, at least here in Ireland at this time every year. And uh, you'll often find commemorations, in fact, happening. In fact, this year, 2022, you have uh, commemorating the actual partition of the island of Ireland. You have the Civil War. You have the formation of the Irish Free State. You know, there's a lot of kind of uh, reminders, if you like, that kind of hark back our history that actually occur to us in the moment. So uh, along the way, hope you enjoyed our stories there and the music that we actually shared. And looking forward to chatting again next week. Slán for now. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, 
we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, The Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show. And you can find full details of The Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The green room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán Gafol, Karina. <laughs>